Good morning. All right. Uh, so if kids can head out to reach kids, they can head out now if that's where they're headed. All right. Now, so as you watch, as you watch the numerous children heading to reach kids, uh, <laughs> I do have an announcement regarding reach kids. Um, it is getting ginormous, all right, uh, <laughs> which is really good. It's really good that Reach Kids is growing. Uh, it's growing really big, but uh, so I, I, I taught VBS uh, a couple weeks ago, and I had like maybe like 10 to 15 kids, and I was like utter chaos, and, you just had, and at least they were like all in the same age range, but you had to like focus and get them to focus, and uh, Right now, some of our teachers are dealing with like 25 kids from like 4 to, four to 11. It's just a lot. So uh, the goal for Reach Kids is to actually split it so that there's more classes and so that the kids are kind of getting what they need individually so that they can hear about Jesus and uh, it can be a little more specific to their age group. Now, you're kind of, why, why are you telling me this? Uh, because we need more volunteers. So we need more volunteers to help with Reach Kids, uh, to share the gospel with the kids. Um, now, I recognize that as I say this, every single one of you is thinking, but not me. All right? <laughs> uh, no, but you. But you, you as well. Uh, you are actually the person I'm talking to because uh, you're the person who's not doing it yet. So uh, we do need more help. Uh, no guilt or shame. It's for the joy of sharing the gospel with kids um, and helping them understand Jesus if that's something that interests you, if that's something that um, you might enjoy, if that's something you might be willing to endure, uh, all of the above, uh, please uh, let me know, let Rachel know. Uh, we do need more help. And uh, yeah, let's make sure our kids um, aren't running around as legalists or hedonists, but are, are Jesus lovers out in the world. So uh, <laughs> with that in mind, let's also not be legalists or hedonists. Uh, let's, look at, uh, let's look at the book of Galatians. So uh, we, are, we are continuing in our series called Astonished uh, because Paul was astonished that the Galatian church would so easily and readily and even uh, with a bit of joy uh, trade the gospel of grace, of peace, of salvation by nothing but Jesus for um, slavery to the law once again. That they'd once again try to earn their way uh, and their standing before God by works. Now Paul then, he's uh, addressing the Galatians and he's fighting for the truth of the gospel. The reality that it's by grace, it is by the work that Jesus has already done. That is how we're saved, that is how we're sustained in the Christian faith in the Christian life. Even, even to call it the Christian faith, that's indicative of, of what it's about. It's not about works, it's about faith. And the first two chapters, we saw Paul's kind of um, more personal exposition, where he's talking about uh, the proof of his apostleship, that he received the gospel from Christ himself, that this wasn't an invention of man. It was agreed to by all of the other apostles. We even saw him rebuking Peter because he could have been used as fodder against the one true gospel, that it could have confused people, and he's fighting that and calling Peter to repentance. Now, the next couple weeks are going to be um, not his personal argument for the gospel, but his theological argument for the gospel. 
seeing how the themes of all of Scripture are pointing us back to faith in Jesus Christ, to grace, to salvation in Him alone. But in the midst of those two sections, there's this, uh, there's this little uh, hypothetical question section uh, where Paul kind of gets at the Galatians. And he's trying to hit them with uh, the reality of where they stand in going back to works. And he's trying to get at their hearts. He was trying to get at their, I think, yeah, get at their hearts. He's trying to get at what is underlying, how they came to faith and the freedom that they used to have and the joy that they used to have, where they stood when they looked at nothing but Jesus. And he's trying to basically ask the question, is it by faith or is it by works? And it starts by asking, are we saved by faith or by works? Are we justified by faith or by works? But then, even more so, how are we sanctified? How are we sustained in the Christian life? How do we mature in the Christian life? Is it by faith or is it by works? And he wants to show that the consistency of the Christian life that is always by faith. It is always by faith. It is always by the Holy Spirit. It is always by grace. It's not about the law or works of the flesh that we are dead to all of those things. He does that by asking uh, five kind of pointed hypothetical questions. So we're going to look at those today. Uh, turn with me to Galatians 3. It'll be on the screen as well. We're looking at Galatians 3, verses 1 through 5. Faith or works. Oh, foolish Galatians! Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it is in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Let's pray. Father, as we once again look at the gospel of Jesus, the good news that he has done the work, that we have no more works to do, that we are simply called to put our faith in what he's already done, Father, I ask that we would not have this divide in our minds, that we start by faith and then are called to, to work and to work and to prove ourselves before God, uh, before you. Father, would you open our eyes to the ways that we are still living according to the, to the law, that we are still enslaved? Father, would you give us great faith? Would you fill us with your spirit? Would you give us the power to, for the love that we have for Christ, mature and grow and be sanctified and reach people with nothing but Jesus? Father, would you work these things out in our hearts that they would naturally work out in our lives? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, first question. First question, O oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. 
Who has bewitched you? All right, the reality is that the Galatians, they heard the gospel. Paul goes so far as to say that, they, that Jesus Christ was so clearly given to them in his very own preaching that they, they witnessed it themselves. It was as if it was right before them. And we know that Paul came, when he came to the Gentiles, that when he preached, he preached Jesus Christ and him crucified, nothing but. I resolved to know among you nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And the Galatians would have understood what that meant, that, that the work of Jesus is finished. And then when Jesus was crucified, he was dying for the sins of, of their hearts, of their minds, of their hands. That there was nothing left to be done, that the blood of Christ had washed them clean, that they had exchanged their sin for Jesus' perfection, that all of those things were true and were done, and that they now stood perfect before the Lord, adopted children, beloved spouses, the delight of, of God because they were in Christ. That is the one true gospel. And that is what the cross does. Last week we saw that uh, when Paul was talking to Peter and explaining the theology, he said, like, did Christ die to no purpose? If you know why Jesus Christ died, then for you to then try to pay for your sins or for you to try to earn any righteousness or try to cleanse your heart, then Christ died in vain, that you are you're, he, he died for no purpose. That if Jesus Christ, by his death and resurrection, does not save you, then why did he do it? For us to forget the cross, we have to be utterly fools. And he's saying, what, what would make you forget the cross? What would make you forget that you are cleansed from your sins? What would make you go back to works? Now, Paul moves to a second question, which is kind of an odd question, to try to get at their hearts so that he can kind of work his way in there, can, can wake them up to this reality. Verse 2. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? All right, so this kind of seems like a, a weird, unrelated question. Now, he's talking about faith, and he's talking about works, and he's trying to get at that concept. Why is he now bringing in the Spirit? Now, I think he's getting at probably uh, <laughs> one of the most like, fundamental questions of the Christian life, and probably one of the most like, heart-captivating pieces of the book of Galatians, and the reality of where Gentiles stand, that the Holy Spirit is, is really, really important. The fact that they have the Holy Spirit is symbolic for so many more reasons than just uh, how we understand him. So this is an emotional underlying question. All right, another question like this. Uh, so let's say that there's a husband and a wife, and the wife is, is doubting the love that her husband has for her. Not because he's been terrible to her, but she just, she's insecure, she wants to know more, and she's saying, like, husband, like, do you really love me? Do you, 
Are you, are you committed to me? Do you, do you like me still? Am I, am I good enough? Do I need to do more? Now, that could become a really long, drawn-out argument or talking. Oh, like, oh, I'll, I'll prove to you all the ways that I love you. Yes, I, I, I do this for you. I do that for you. But you could ask a more pointed question. And the more pointed question would be, like, where'd you get that ring on your finger? Tell me, where did you get that ring? And what would she have to say? Well, you gave it to me. Like, oh, why did I give it to you? Because you chose me. And, and you wanted to marry me. You wanted to be with me forever. It's evidence of so much more. It's evidence of, of the standing that they have with one another. The commitment. The, the symbolic meaning is, is kind of overflowing there. It's a good question. And that's where Paul starts. He starts with this kind of emotionally charged question, asking, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Reminding the Galatians of where they stand with God and how they got there. Because the reality is that it was a huge deal that these Gentiles that the Galatian church who knew nothing of the law, who knew nothing of God, who were impure in every way, might receive the Holy Spirit. Now these are people who weren't even allowed to, to eat at the same table as people who followed this God. Who weren't allowed to go into the temple. And then you have the Holy Spirit who is God. And before that time, who had he dwelt with? He dwelt with kings and with prophets, with the most holy and the elite in the nation of Israel. This is the most exclusive relationship you can have with God is to have the Holy Spirit. And the reality is, the second they put their faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And that Holy Spirit was sealing them and marking them and saying, you know, you are holy, you are perfect, that I can dwell with you because there is no sin in you, there is nothing left to cleanse, that you and I are one in perfect harmony and fellowship. That's a big deal. And Paul's asking, how did that happen? Did that happen because you got circumcised and you started eating kosher food and because you started trying really hard to, to do the Ten Commandments a little better than you tried yesterday? He says, no. It was because of faith in Jesus Christ. The faith that you had in Jesus Christ cleansed you. It washed you clean. It took away your sins. And it was by faith alone that you received the Holy Spirit. Now, I could ask, I could ask you that same question. And maybe that is an emotionally charged question to ask you, okay, if you're doubting, if you're good enough in Christ, if you're finding yourself running back to works, I could ask you, like, how did you get the Holy Spirit? When did you feel that, like, that suddenly your heart was different and you, you wanted to keep his commandments, even if you struggled to, now you wanted to. And maybe you had a joy and a peace that you couldn't understand. Maybe you could read the scriptures for the first time and you understood them. And you understood that it was about Jesus and you realized like, oh, something has changed within me. 
How did you get there? Did you get there because you spent a week trying to do the law really well? Or did that happen when you finally understood who Jesus was and put your faith in him? Was it by works or by faith? Or another question. All right, think back to when you first became a believer, if you are a believer, and remember the, the joy and the peace that you found in the gospel. How the weight was lifted. You know, how did that happen? Did it happen because someone told you that there's a Ten Commandments out there and if you obey them really well, then you'll have great joy? No. You were told about the gospel, of what Jesus Christ had done, the things that you could never do yourself, and you had faith. Now, for others of you, it might be thinking back to maybe it's your marriage. And when your marriage started to change, when you were shaped by faith and the cross of Jesus Christ and not by the laws and holding each other to them. Maybe it's when you found new freedom from, from addiction or sin and you realized you'd been trying for so long and now you had a, your love for Jesus was compelling you to change. Does that happen by works of the law or by faith? Those are the questions that were being asked in, in this. When did you feel your guilt and, sh and shame leave you? Was it when you started trying harder or when you put your faith in Jesus Christ? It's by faith. It started by faith. And then Paul takes it further. It was always by faith. But his third question, are you so foolish? <clears throat> Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? All right, so there's this great gift, this gift of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, fully God, dwelling with them. A he, not an it. The Holy Spirit. Who was God himself committed to to changing my minds and hearts and wills to transform us from the inside out. He's saying, all right, Galatian church, why did you trade that Holy Spirit for works of the flesh once again? For works of the law, for trying and fighting and enduring and, and trying to prove yourself once again. Now, to kind of, so you have a picture of this. All right, there's the life in the spirit and life in the law and in the flesh. All right, let's say, uh, let's say, this is a stupid analogy. I apologize for its stupidity. Hopefully it'll be helpful and, and uh, make up for itself. But all right, let's say you have a 25-acre field to mow. All right. You guys all love your lawnmowers. I know you do. You guys tell me about it. I, I, I can't get it. But, um... All right, and you have, your, you have your beautiful new John Deere ride-on tractor mower. And it, it's a big task, okay? It's a big task ahead of you, but, like, you can do it. You got, you got your, your power tools here. The trading of the Holy Spirit for, for the flesh is getting off your John Deere and picking up 
those plastic safety children's scissors. And you're holding them up and saying, you know what, I will do it. And I don't, need, I don't need faith, I don't need God's help, I can do it myself, I will do it by the flesh. And there you are, <laughs> trimming, trimming each one, and you know how safe those scissors, they always like twist and then you get stuck. Like, wow, who made those and the paper gets there? All right, that's the difference between walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh. That's what they've traded. And I think it was kind of offensive for Paul to say that because I don't think the Galatians realized that that's what they'd done because it seems so stupid. And they're probably wondering, well, how did we make that trade? And they made that trade by trading faith for works. Faith for works. Because if the Holy Spirit is the tractor, then the, the fuel is faith. The gasoline you put in there is faith, that it's sustained by faith, that the Holy Spirit and faith interact and give us power to do the things that we're called to do. But when we throw out the faith and we throw out all the things that we're called to believe and we think, well, no, I just, let's just do the things that I need to do, now we're in the flesh and now there's no power. And now we're just trying to muster up enough self-control, enough energy to try to do some ounce of the thing that feels defeating and, and overwhelming. That's the trade that we make. That's, trade, that's the trade the Galatians made. Now, what happens when we do that? What happens when we do that? Uh, Paul tells us in, in question number four, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Now, a lot of commentators, they, think, they say that this is um, because of persecution. I don't think that's the best interpretation. I think what he's trying to get at here is he's saying, all right, so you, you made that trade, you got off the lawnmower, and you picked up your pair of scissors, and you think, you look, I'm trying so hard, I'm being so good for God. And he's saying, like, you know, you suffered a lot in that. It was really painful. It makes your, your knuckles hurt because there's so little in the little squeezy things. And he's saying, yeah, you were miserable, but you know what? You, su you suffered in vain. It wasn't toward any purpose. Did you build for yourself any more righteousness? No, that was already given to you in Christ. Did you win any approval with God? No. No, it was all in vain. And that's what happens when we abandon faith and living out of faith and we pick up works and I'll just try hard today. Now it's hard to say that because I think 95% of the time we're living in just trying hard to do the works and not living by faith. And I'm with you in that. And it, it's sobering to look at this and say, I, I've tried really hard and I've done a lot and been miserable and it's, not, it's all been for naught. And then Paul takes it one step further. He says, if indeed it was in vain. Now, I don't think, I don't think that's a super great translation. I won't tell you why. But um, I think it's better to say if it was only in vain. Essentially saying that, like, at best, all that work that you did was in vain. At worst, it condemned you. At worst, it was you trading your suffering of works 
you're trading, trading for Jesus. And you traded Jesus away so that you could work hard. Paul's saying, I, I hope it was just in vain and not to the detriment of your soul. That's the reality of how we're talking here. To live by works and not by faith is not just foolish, it's not just stupid, it's destructive. And it will kill our Christian life. It will kill the Christian faith because it's a faithless, it's a faithless faith. Then Paul takes it one, one step further. One more question to, to get at their hearts. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So here he's saying, okay, in the beginning, in the beginning it was by faith. And then you're ultimately going to be perfected by faith. And now, how does the Holy Spirit continue to work? How does he continue to work? How does, he, how does God give us miracles? He says, did you go out and do ten good works and earn yourself a miracle? No. And did you fill yourself with the Spirit by dwelling over the law and making a checklist and, and trying your best? No. He's saying the thing that, that continues to fill us with the Holy Spirit and sustain us and change us is our faith. It started with faith and it ends with faith. Faith in the work of Jesus, faith in the promises of Jesus, faith of the blessings that are given to us, not because we worked for them, but because he gave them to us freely in Christ. That's what it looks like to live by faith. Now, in the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be talking about this, this last part where Abraham gets brought in here. And we're going to see how this, this living by faith and faith alone is consistent with the whole Bible, that it has always been the plan, that it wasn't that, oh, yeah, you used to have to work hard, but now you don't anymore. Now it's just by faith. No, it's that it has always been that way. We'll talk about that and the redemptive history and covenantal meaning of all this stuff next week. But we're not talking about that today, uh, thankfully, for some of you. Uh, today, let's, let's get practical instead. Well, let's get practical and ask, okay, what does it mean to live by faith and not by works? How does that play out in your life? All right, first, first, if you don't know Jesus, you desperately need Jesus. You life and death, eternity, soul, need Jesus. It's either you on the cross or Jesus on the cross. You will not work hard enough. You do not have enough righteousness in and of yourself. You need Jesus. You need to trade your sin for his righteousness, his perfection. That's the first step. If these things don't apply to you yet because you haven't actually heard of the crucified Christ, haven't put your faith in him, that's your start. If you need help doing that, if you want to talk to me about doing that, we should talk. All right, second, second. For all of you who've done that, you need to remind yourself day in and day out that that is the thing that, that makes you worthy before God. 
that that alone is the thing that makes you stand before him without shame or guilt. That's the only reason you have anything before God is because of what Jesus has done. And because of what Jesus has done, you are perfect in Christ. That is a reality. You are not seen in yourself. You are clothed in Christ. You are washed clean by Christ. That reality needs to be true to you every single day. All right, third. This is the sanctification one. We need to start trading faith in Jesus Christ with faith in other things. So, I should have said that the opposite direction. That sounded really bad. All right. (laughs) We put our faith practically in all of these other things. And growth and maturity means taking out that false faith and putting in real faith. Real faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I'll give you an example. All right. Peter last week. Peter last week, what did he, what did he do? He decided he was going to start trying to appease the Jewish leaders. He abandoned the Gentiles and started obeying the, the laws once again. All right. Why did he do that? Ultimately, in his heart, why did he do that? It was because of, yeah, it was because he was fearful of other men. He wanted their approval. He was trading his faith in. That if you asked him, yeah, his faith was in Jesus Christ, that's his only hope, but his functional faith was in the approval of this group of Jewish men. That was his hope. That was his peace. That was was what was sustaining him. That was his God. And in that moment, that was where his faith lied. And when he put his faith in that God, in, in man and their approval, he got all of the laws that were brought with it. And then we're not surprised that all of a sudden he was doing all of these things and he was enslaved and being contrary to the gospel. It's because functionally his faith was here with man, not with God and Jesus Christ. What should he have done? What should he have done? He should have traded this false faith for true faith. He would have been able to say, you know what, I, I stand perfect in Christ. I don't care if they condemn me. And I have the approval of God in Christ. I don't care if the world hates me. And even if they persecute me and destroy my my body, they cannot destroy my soul, and I will stand before Christ, and I will have his approval. He will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That that cannot be taken away from me. I will not give into slavery once again. That would be him trading Faith in man for faith in God and Jesus Christ. And we realize that if, if, Paul did, if, or if Peter did that, he wouldn't have to do anything, really. He would just have to live out of that reality. He doesn't have to earn the approval of God. He doesn't have to earn their acceptance, his, the acceptance of God. He doesn't have to earn the favor of God. He just needs to live in it. And that's what we're called to do day in and day out, is to trade our functional faith for real faith in God through Jesus Christ. Now an example. An example. Let's say your functional faith is in money. Your functional faith is in money. That maybe you're looking for your money to, to say that you are successful, to say that you're worthy, to say that you're, 
You're good enough. If that's the case, you're going to bring, get all of the works that come with that God. And you're going to be working weekends, and you're going to be not seeing your family, and you're going to be stressed out, and you're going to be performing for people and making sure that they know that you have all of this wealth and that you're worthy of it. And you become this jerk who's centered around money. And you're constantly fighting for it. Now, what is that person called to do? That person is not just called to, well, it's, it's covered in Christ. No, the, the gospel needs to be applied to that person's heart and their mind and say, you know what? The real God who's going to give me approval, the real God is going to, who's going to save me is not my money. The real God is Jesus Christ. And you know what? He's given me his heavenly inheritance. He's lavished grace upon me. There are golden streets and a mansion prepared for me. My hope is there and I will, I will put my hope and my peace and my faith there and there are no works associated with that. I will live a different way if that is true, but there are no works that I use to, to earn that. It is given to me in Jesus. All right, let's take another example. All right, let's say that you're your functional faith is in comfort and peace. And you live day in and day out just to, to make it home at the end of the day and get a bag of chips in your Netflix and just like zone out. All right. We think, well, that, that doesn't involve any works. That sounds great. That sounds like the easiest one of all. Uh, until, until you realize how hard it is to actually make that happen. And you realize, like, kids will get in the way of that. And your spouse will get in the way of that. And sometimes the internet doesn't work. And, like, sometimes the TV's being annoying. And, like, and suddenly you're so angry. And there's, like, all this works associated. And to try to worship this God is actually a lot harder than we thought it would be. And it brings out a lot of evil in our heart. And functionally, our faith is there. All right, it needs to be brought over faith in God through Jesus Christ. And what are the promises there? Like, you'll, you'll be given a, a new body that will run and will not grow weary. You'll be given eternal rest. You're given the rest of knowing that, that whatever happens, it is all according to God's plan for your good, for your blessing. He's lavishing grace upon you. Even those things that are ruining your, your, your comfort time. And there's a peace that, that transforms us. And that isn't because we worked hard. It's because we put faith in Christ. That's what it looks like to live by faith. And when we're living by faith, the Holy Spirit takes that faith and he, he changes us. He makes us live in light of it. When we fight, we are not fighting to do works. We are fighting to believe in the promises and blessings and realities that are given to us in Jesus Christ. That will transform us. That will sustain us. That will, that will give you good works. But not good works you had to muster, good works that are natural because you're living as someone who's just living in the cross. Living in light of it. Living out of the reality of it. Now, uh, We have to fight. We have to fight to believe these things. 
in which I struggle to believe these things. All right, what I'm not saying, I'm not saying that this means we don't try to do anything and we just kind of lay around waiting for God to do miracles and we pray a lot. All right, prayer, prayer is great. But uh, this is facing our sin and our, our false faiths head on and replacing them with Jesus. I think too often we just say like, God, help me, help me, help me. When it's like, apply the gospel. Let's, let's apply the gospel to the reality of our lives. That's, that's actually very different. Now, uh, what then is maturity? What does a mature believer look like? A mature believer is quick at doing that. They're quicker at seeing the false faiths and, and replacing them with the gospel. All right, they know the promises and the blessings better so that they can get to relevant ones that make sense and speak to their hearts and are captivating. They're not so much better. They just, they fight for faith and they're sustained by faith and they're looking to Jesus more and they're depending upon Jesus more and they're enjoying all the things that Jesus has done more. So I'd ask us, I'd ask you, I'd ask myself, I'd ask my own heart, how am I living? Am I living by faith or by works? Am I fighting to be good or am I fighting to believe? Where is my functional faith? Is it in other things? Or is my functionally believing in the promises and the blessings and the gifts that are in the cross of Jesus Christ? Those are the questions. And those are the questions I, I give to you. I can't give you every scenario. I can't give you every promise and every blessing. I can give you Jesus and the promise of all the things that are found in him. And we are called to work that out in each of our lives. Amen? All right. Any questions? Mr. Hickey. Right. Right. <laughs> you are correct, Jack. Of course, of course. You know the answer to that question. <laughs> no, I know, I know. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Right, right. And that's where there's, there's, there's such freedom that when, when, so Jack was saying that there's this relationship between freedom and the spirit and bondage to the law. And there, there's amazing freedom, so much freedom that, that we could even, we need, actually need to be rebuked and be like, okay, you have so much freedom, you can sin, but, but don't. Because there's people who are like, oh, like you, you could, and you could abuse grace and Honestly, you'd be covered by the grace of Christ. But he's saying, no, you use your freedom to, to love God, and, but you're not earning anything. 
you really aren't. You don't need to, to prove yourself to God. You're not in the courtroom. It's all done in Christ. You have total freedom. And we always want to put a butt after that, but there isn't. There really isn't. That's it. Now he's saying, like, does that make you love Jesus? Then go out and love Jesus. Does that make you want to glorify him? Then go glorify him. Does that make you want to tell people about the freedom you found in Jesus? Then go tell them. You have freedom to do that as well. That's the difference we're talking about. All right. Other questions? No? All right. It better not be that a bunch of you come ask questions afterwards, because that, that's super annoying. <laughs> not really. It's not annoying. If it's like personal questions, that kind of stuff. But if you have questions, like, but you're too scared to ask them, please just ask them. That's, that's helpful. You're probably not the only one with a question. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for the freedom that we've found in Jesus. We thank you for the spirit that You've not just left us to, to failure in the flesh and to frustration, but you've given us such amazing blessings and promises and realities in Jesus, things that we, we never had to earn and we cannot earn, and even, even by trying to earn them, we, we ruin it. So, Father, I ask that you would change our functional face. We ask that you would Help us to believe the promises that you have for us. Father, would we give great joy in worshiping you and following you and, and living in light of the reality of Jesus? Father, would you change us from the inside out that our faith would, would change our realities and we live in the freedom of Christ? We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.